Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Pierre Lancet. Today I'm speaking with Tom Hollett, who is the author of Knowledge Beside Itself, Contemporary Arts Epistemic Politics, which was published by Sternberg Press in 2020. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. The book is an incredibly ambitious dive into what seems to me to be an important but underexplored set of dynamics that shape contemporary art. But before we get into the specifics, it would be great if you could describe how you got into this topic, given that you were an art historian and a cultural theorist to start. Um, our listeners may perhaps know you as a co-founder of the Harun Farokiev Institute or from your work in the Vienna Academy of Fine Arts. How have these experiences built to the research which you present in the book? I actually started uh, to be interested in this particular relationship rather early on in in my phd work in which i've been working on in the early 1990s i tried to uh, make sense of uh, the way in which artistic competence uh, has had been defined and had been codified in 18th century and early 19th century France. As an art historian, I tried to I tried to move into history to find out um, more about the ways in which uh, artistic knowledge had been addressed and had been allocated to particular personalities uh, or ideas of personalities, particular subjectivities which were linked or which were somehow associated with art, art, artisthood, uh, early scenes of Bohemia, etc. The ensuing work, the book, uh, Künstlerwissen, Artistic Knowledge, was actually the starting point and and a constant kind of reference point also for me to come back to and sometimes surprising ways or sometimes un- for me unexpected uh, ways since i i didn't really uh, expect me to be again and again in the in the times and the years and decades after finishing this work to be engaged with this particular qu- question and as you mentioned already in in your introduction when i was employed at the academy of fine arts in vienna i was a professor for the epistemology and methodology of uh, of art rather pompous title for for post which had been created in a way to develop and uh, then to implement a, a phd in practice an artistic phd in practice that would in a way complement supplement the the offers the academy had in terms of art theory and uh, research related art practices and uh, also to become part of an emerging field an emerging landscape of of artistic research in the higher education in the arts in europe at the time in the development of this particular course i i was i was constantly reminded of my own work art, art historical work on the question of artistic knowledge the artistic phd is indeed one of the protagonists that you use in the book and it is perhaps one of the ways in which our listeners may be able to conceptualize the relationship between art and research and therefore between art and knowledge. Um, but in the book, you also set out to deal with a range of much more substantial and much more fundamental aspects of 
what it may mean for art to be involved in epistemology? Um, the very fact that we are here to talk about contemporary art in its relation to knowledge is uh, nothing to be taken for granted, really. It's actually quite a specialist uh, subject area. It's not uh, something to be necessarily known to a general audience that there's within contemporary art something going on that might be called, as I am doing it in the introduction of the book, the knowledgeization or epistemization of art. Uh, what I'm trying to do is to make a point, is to make a proposal with regard to the very impact or import the notion of knowledge had and still has in the realm of the contemporary visual arts. But uh, before I'm going into this, I would like to clarify a few key concepts. The one at first is uh, contemporary art itself. What are we speaking about when I'm speaking of contemporary art? I, for me, contemporary art is not a particular style or particular modality of artistic practice. It is rather a globally networked uh, formation of institutions, ideologies, individual actors and protagonists and but also corporate uh, actors and protagonists, as well as cultural administrations, governments, and all kinds of kind of public sector actors that are part of this globally expanding uh, formation. This formation has been of contemporary art has been specifically organized around large scale exhibitions, uh, large scale institutions such as museums. Uh, often franchise enterprises acting transnationally uh, of uh, art educational institutions and of and of the art market of course and, and there's a certain understanding of of art that is being promoted by this formation of contemporary art that is not to be that is not to be confused with or identified with uh, the contemporary art of uh, which I'm uh, speaking here. The contemporary art which I'm speaking of is really this kind of clustered, highly densely entangled mix of institutional and individual actors. So what I'm saying is when it comes to knowledge is that this formation of contemporary art is in itself a kind of factory, uh, a kind of plant where knowledge is being produced on constantly. And this knowledge can is of very different scale and very heterogeneous in, in character. It can be the knowledge produced by the individual artist in her or his research being done for a particular artwork, but it can and is also the knowledge produced by algorithms organizing the institutional and corporate mechanisms uh, that lead to the production of these uh, kind of large-scale exhibitions such as biennials or to uh, auction uh, events, or to art fairs, or to gallery events, etc. So there's a knowledge being involved in, in maintaining and expanding this formation of contemporary art, as well as, as there's a knowledge being involved on the level of uh, artistic practices, uh, individual artistic practices or collective artistic practices that lead to certain uh, artworks, uh, to performances, to installations, to exhibitions, etc. 
the important thing I think to to emphasize is that uh, one shouldn't mix up these two uh, levels of knowledge production. And I'm not even sure if we can speak of two levels. There are, there are probably much more. And still, we are when when we are talking about knowledge production, and I'm doing this in my book as well. We are mostly referring to the knowledge being produced by artists, and of course, this uh, this is an important and uh, crucial dimension of knowledge production with regard to the arts, but it is not the only one. And it, I think it needs to be constantly contextualized within this larger formation of contemporary art being this uh, kind of mammoth uh, epistemic factory. When I'm speaking about the knowledge production happening in art, in particular artworks, through particular artworks, in their relation or in their kind of interaction with the audience and with institutional players, etc., then I'm thinking here of uh, certain types of investigative and uh, research-based art that have been become more and more dominant throughout the past three to four decades. One of the emblematic ways of doing knowledge in this respect is, for example, to work uh, with uh, and within archives. Another way uh, or another type of knowledge being produced is uh, the one based on uh, methodologies of documentary filmmaking or documentary research being done in in the social realm, in the anthropological realm, in the biological realm, or wherever. So th just to, to leave it uh, with these two examples, the archival, the studying of the archival, the criticism of the archival, the building of new and alternative archives is uh, one way of engaging with knowledge and with uh, certain ideas and ideologies of knowledge, certain epistemologies that artists have been very keen in doing. And the other, the other mode or modality would be the documentary that can lead to kind of straightforward documentaries in the tradition of the documentary filmmaking, but can also turn into highly fictionalized, highly, highly freewheeling kinds of meta documentaries that are not that, that don't resemble much earlier notions or earlier ideas of uh, what the documentary uh, or what a documentation. Uh, is to be, but both activities, uh, archiving or the study of the archive and documenting or the study of documentation are being at the forefront of a new knowledge-based modality of art production that has become almost emblematic for the entire field. Well, it seems like you have just turned this beautiful phrase of a mammoth epistemic factory to describe what aspects of contemporary art may have become. But I wonder if I could ask you to take an equally mammoth historic run-up to this and try to trace some of the developments of art alongside the various branches of knowledge which we associate with epistemology much more readily. In a certain perspective, art and knowledge have never been uh, separated. They've always been very closely uh, linked, and uh, you can you can trace this uh, back into uh, well, classic art, the art of uh, the antique, but especially, of course, the Renaissance art at later stages of art history, 
uh, where a certain kind of knowledge, certain kind of erudite knowledge also was was to be expected uh, from visual artists and uh, painters, um, sculptors, but also and especially, for example, architects and engineers uh, who've been considered to be artists as well. And in the course of the Enlightenment and uh, and then the and then the advent of uh, modernism and in art, there was a desire bringing from an interest in in differentiation, in in creating autonomous spheres within culture and within society at large, that made it more and more plausible and more and more natural almost uh, to consider art as something that is not to be identified with uh, something like science. With the foundation of first modern Art academies or art academies in the sense, in the modern sense in the 17th century was increasingly considered as something to be seen and, uh, under different auspices and in, 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 a, in a different, under different terms than other practices and, and other areas of knowledge production. And therefore, artists became interestingly, they became suspicious uh, once they were displaying uh, knowledge which, uh, which was considered to be outside of the sphere of art. And uh, if they're conspicuously performed as erudites within the academy and outside of the academy, they were, they were often enough uh, relegated to their place as, uh, as artists proper. This tendency has, in a way, continued far into the 20th century and until today, since artists are considered to be, uh, in the popular ideas circulating around art, are considered and portrayed as not particularly knowledgeable, not particularly intellectual, not particularly bright. They are as creative subjects, uh, they were placed in a realm of uh, less cognitive and much more emotive or emotional ways of being productive. And therefore, artists have been, as, as, the, as the famous saying says, uh, often considered to be bête comme un peintre, uh, stupid, uh, like a painter or as a painter, and not being given the, <laughs> the privilege of becoming part of a world where scientists, uh, academics, etc., and intellectuals are moving. This is not a plain story, and there are, and there are a lot of exceptions to it, of course. Uh, but it could be said that until the 1960s or around the 1960s, artists who also who were also interested in in non-artistic ways of knowing, uh, scientific ways of knowing and reflection, were in a way relegated outside of the art world. But with with the 1960s and with the advent of of late and postmodernism and this uh, peculiar thing called conceptual art, a new sense or new image of the artist emerged that, that in a way had moved much closer to the realm of uh, the thinking person, so to speak. The 20th century is indeed very much the historical background of the book, and it reveals a whole spectrum of possibilities for art to be engaged in epistemic production. On the one hand, you refer to the Russian constructivist and productivist movements of the 1920s, but it is the much later occasion of Documenta 11 in 2002, curated by Oquin Reza, that becomes a turning point in a certain epistonic economy of art. Documenta 11 was uh, indeed a turning point with regard to the kind of language used to to in a way organize and direct, uh, newly direct the, the relationship between art, art and knowledge, art and research, art and thinking. And knowledge production, the very term 
is a rather recent term. At the time, it was first coined uh, in the 19, late 1950s, early 1960s, in, in, in a discipline that, was, that, that might be called knowledge sociology or sociology of knowledge with a close, strong interest in economy. And uh, from this uh, sociologist, economist realm of science, it in a way migrated in, into other spheres and art and the contem- and contemporary art were one of those kind of destinies of the knowledge production trope. And the very... Um, the very notion wasn't much known at the time in art circles, or it wasn't really commonly used. And it was a very interesting move by uh, Okwo Invesor and his curatorial team to introduce this, this notion of knowledge production into a discourse which might have had a certain idea of what concept art, conceptual art, and concepts and knowledge in a more general sense might be, but not so much in this idea of the artist as a knowledge producer. And this very idea, this very notion of knowledge production, then also could be related back to an earlier, as you mentioned, an earlier stage in in the history of art, in particular the productivist times of the Soviet 1920s, the post-revolutionary idea of in- integrating art into, into the social production at large, into the making it part of the industrial revolutionary process. And the reputation of productivism as being something that brings or that could bring art into uh, the social in an unprecedented way, was something that obviously seemed interesting to or attractive to the curatorial team of Documenta 11. Although I would uh, suspect that they weren't that much behind an idea of a neo-productivist turn in the arts, I think knowledge production was also used rather loosely in some respect at that uh, around I mean, in the early 2000s. But it became more and more interestingly or differently used uh, in, in the years that followed and up to the point that knowledge production and art seemed almost identical or not uh, not to be separated or separable any longer and why why how this uh, could happen is something i'm trying to render to map in the book this emergence of knowledge production as a key domain of art that you just described it seems to coincide with what eventually appeared to be the rise of a global knowledge economy i imagine that this isn't quite an accident one of the key interests and points of the book is to render more palpable than it had been done before, in my in my view at least, the way in which art, contemporary art, is actively involved in the composition and uh, production of uh, contemporary knowledge systems and knowledge economies. It seems to be easy to to locate art. At the, at the margins, at the, at the sidelines of more general tendencies of knowledge in contemporary societies. But I'm trying to venture that, that art is, has actually moved more and more center stage and has become a vital agent in the way contemporary knowledge is being shaped and formed. There are not that many empirical data to prove this idea, um, but I don't attempt this uh, in the book. But there is, uh, in the way 
art is being featured, is being is publicized, is being uh, talked about, uh, mediated in uh, also more uh, mainstream media, is, is more and more related to the way in which art is in uh, global exhibitions such as uh, the Venice Biennial or the already mentioned uh, Documenta is trying to make sense of the world in a different way than the sciences do, than journalism does, uh, but is at the same time moving ever closer to these very realms of science and, uh, and journalism and, uh, and documentary, etc. This is, a, in a way, a double movement between the attempt to to cling to the exceptional status, the exceptional nature of art with regard to other kinds of uh, knowledge and to, at the same time, make it a collaborator, sometimes a competitor, sometimes an assistant of other uh, more established, seemingly more established uh, modes of knowing and thinking. But in in the process, art uh, is, is informing the existing knowledge scapes, the knowledge landscapes uh, in ways that that I think need closer scrutiny. And uh, this is what I'm trying to do in the course of these case studies that are at the center of each of the chapters of the book. So, so the claim is to make palpable uh, art as, as a vital agent of contemporary knowledge, politics, and economies. Well, I think the next question that arises is how one could develop these new levels of scrutiny and introspection that you suggest, introspection into art's relationship to knowledge, given in particular the fact that contemporary art almost unavoidably draws on various notions of subjectivity, such as those that are suggested by Foucault's ideas of power knowledge and a plethora of critical theories that follow. Art's relation to uh, subjectivity seems to be the most uh, obvious and the most rehearsed uh, dimension of, of modernist art in particular. This, uh, uh, since Romanticism, there's no way around the author subject, the artist subject, to be at the center of uh, of the interest and the center of of the very production of meaning that can then be beholden or received, uh, read or, or viewed uh, in the artwork. However, there has always been an objective side uh, to the kinds of knowledges transpiring through or into the artwork. There's, of course, a, a determining, a conditioning environment of knowledge in society that artists move in in the same or similar way as other subjects do, uh, science scientists, for example. And therefore, art isn't in any ways independent of more general trends, more general tendencies and general structures of uh, knowledge. There is always an imprint of uh, a more general idea or general epistemic condition in works of art to be to be perceived, and this imprint, of course, is uh, not at, not at all historically stable, but is uh, changing, and uh, therefore in need to be interpreted, in need to be uh, assessed, time uh, again and again. Uh, and one of the kind of major motivations behind my interest in this art knowledge uh, compound in in the present is, of course to better understand, to better know how a more general condition of knowledge and knowledge production is, is present or is being mediated in particular artworks, in, in, uh, in, but also in artistic practices, also collective practices, and how this, uh, how this mediation 
is leading to a specific kind of knowledge or specific kind of knowledges that may be or may not be that different from other kinds of knowledges produced elsewhere, for example, in the sciences. I guess that one of the things that happens at the very comparison between artistic knowledge production and scientific modes of discovery is that it creates a set of pressures on art to conform to preconceived ideas and standards that art may not have realized it was getting itself into. There is a certain tendency to expect from artists in this function as uh, knowledge producers to produce new knowledge and, and new knowledges. And this idea of new knowledge of innovation is, of course, one that needs to be taken with some skepticism or with some prudence, as I would suspect that this is a rather easy way to apply a certain idea of progress onto the arts that is not necessarily to be expected from from an artist or from an artistic practice. Although there is, of course, every reason to believe that there's something is happening in the arts and in specific artworks that might be called new. But whether this is a kind of a knowledge that should be considered as new in the same way as scientific knowledge is to be questioned. Being part of a more general knowledge economy, and this is what I'm (laughs) trying to make sense of in the book, is of course coming with certain expectations with regard to art being a place where uh, new knowledge is, uh, innovation is being found. But uh, there is also back and forth movement. The ideas of creativity, of closely related, closely associated with the arts, have been, in a way, been appropriated by the knowledge economies at large and have been implemented into their own definitions of uh, success and failure, of progress and regress. Uh, So there's, in a way, the kind of expectations of innovation that are being projected onto contemporary art are coming from the arts uh, originally and are being, in a way, relayed uh, through contemporary knowledge economies back uh, to art, uh, where they are uh, doing uh, a certain kind of uh, job in in raising expectations with regard to the kind of tasks uh, or to the kind of performances expected from from artists. What you describe is perhaps a push and pull of progress and resistance, and artists themselves can take on complex productive or counterproductive positions in this. And one of the exciting aspects of the book for me is that it draws on quite a range of case studies to illustrate some of the possibilities and indeed problems that artists encounter. Yes, one of the artists that have been very early on uh, sensitized to the issue of artistic research uh, as a as a paradigm, as a game changer in contemporary art, was Natasha Zadra Gigian, an Iranian German artist uh, based in Berlin, who has been the um, the artist uh, representing Germany in the 2019 Venice Art Biennial. And Natasha Zadagigian is is uh, both very explicit and very engaged with regard to uh, the notion of research as she is addressing this particular term, this particular concept straight on. In 2010, for example, at the talk at the Magba in Barcelona, she's speaking about uh, artistic research as, as a new uh, way of controlling the way in which artists think and produce a new set of criteria 
applied to contemporary artists that change the way artists perceive their own practice, particularly when they are dependent on, for example, jobs at uh, art schools and uh, art educational institutions. Once art is being conceived in terms of research, uh, there's also an outcome expected, uh, a research outcome and result of, uh, of the research being conducted. And this particular constellation of having a research question, uh, doing the research and then presenting the, the result of the research, for example, in a so-called research exhibition, is something that is kind of reformatting and reorganizing uh, the way in which uh, artists think and act quite considerably. Uh, Natasha had been both endorsing this new paradigm of research uh, as she's considering herself as a researcher, quite self-consciously as, as such, but at the same time she's not, uh, she's not interested in fulfilling any role being imposed on her by, by a new institutional setting that is looking for, for different ways of organizing and managing art under the rubrum, under the, under the, under the sign of uh, research. What she's particularly skeptical about, and she's not the only one at that, is that the research being now expected from artists is of the same kind as uh, the research being done at the research university in sciences, uh, that uh, art is becoming more and more subject to quantification and uh, measurement, the way in which uh, artistic achievement is being judged is uh, moving closer and closer to the ways scientific achievement is being uh, judged. In these, in these developments, some of them only rumors in a way, but uh, many of them quite uh, quite palpable in the institution, uh, have been worrying artists uh, who not necessarily uh, reject the notion of research, but uh, want to have it understood in a different way on their own terms. Well, the narrative of art as a unit of knowledge generation that is somehow in conversation with other types of knowledge produced in the academy is perhaps more or less comprehensible to those of our listeners who may have observed the ongoing absorption of what used to be autonomous art schools into wider traditional university structures. But the next case study, which I'd like to ask you about, um, complicates this field even further by introducing a commercial, the corporate idea of knowledge and knowledge labor. Yes, uh, Pilvi Takala, a Finnish video and performance artist who is often inserting herself into situations, into environments that can be considered corporate or institutional, has used this work, the trainee, as a way to demonstrate how certain behavioral modes can be perceived as more or less acceptable in such corporate environments. She was indeed hired as a trainee to do the research at Deloitte, this consulting company, a global player that is seeing itself as being one of the most efficient corporations in its domain. And, and she, the artist, is doing something that on the surface may be not that different from what everyone else is doing in the office, but that at some point started to look suspicious even to her co-workers who are essentially doing the same thing, sitting at their desks, uh, staring at the screen uh, and working mentally or, or with their brains, uh, reading, writing, thinking. And the way in which 
the person just sitting there doing nothing is to be distinguished from the person sitting there doing something is the artistic proposition Takala is doing here. She's at the same time reflecting on the condition of immaterial labor in an office environment, while also reflecting on her position as an artist being placed into such an environment in the tradition of earlier artist placements in uh, industrial or other economical basis. She's also meditating on the way in which time becomes an element of her work, that the very temporality of her performance is becoming a formal device of the final work. So there's a lot going on here without addressing epistemology or knowledge or cognition straight on. Takala nonetheless has been very successful in this work to riff on these very small differences between someone working within art and being an artist and someone working outside art. The non-distinction, the non-distinguishability of art, artists and non-artists was one of the key subjects of this particular work. Well, this is indeed a work that I'm very fond of, and I think it's successful in exposing the somewhat vacuous or baseless nature of the broader knowledge economy. And we'll put a link to the video in the show notes, and I highly recommend this piece to our listeners. Um, I wonder, however, whether there isn't an immediate flip side to this indictment that Takla extends to the corporation. That is, whether art isn't just as readily drawn in by the performance of knowledge, of research and of cognition. Uh, yes, exactly. This is how I would put it as well. Uh, but I think from this apparent seamlessness uh, of art economies and knowledge economies, the art world and the office world, certain challenges or certain tasks emerge. There is, I think, for the arts in the knowledge-based polis, an urgent need to reflect on this particular seamlessness. I think it's only a first step to state that art has become part of the knowledge economy at large, that art is being implemented or implicated in, in global uh, knowledge industries to an extent that hasn't been uh, reached at any time before. But there's also, in a second step, I think the quest the need to to define what critical art uh, should do with this uh, predicament. And I would propose that art needs to be engaged much more than it has done uh, before in a, a politics of knowledge, in or what I call in the subtitle of the book, uh, uh, epistemic politics. So the question, of course, is what such a, such a politics should look like or could look like. Well, I think it would perhaps be unfair to ask any author who has engaged in such in-depth analysis to also offer a solution to the problem they highlight. But I think you develop in the book a very strong argument for art to internalize the wider problems of what is sometimes referred to as a broader epistemic crisis. I think the politics starts uh, at that moment, this implication of art into the, into the knowledge economy is not only recognized, but also taken as something that needs to be or should be changed or needs to be, be addressed in ways that might lead to an overcoming of this um, of the present situation. That art is not just simply kind of fulfill certain tasks within this larger machinery of uh, and of knowledge production, but is becoming a kind of resistant, disobedient uh, force 
that is uh, kind of constantly working at this subversion and the transformation of this situation. And, and in order to do that, uh, art has to be and has to become more and more aware of what it is moving into or what it has moved into already. In order to do this, it needs to have a stronger notions of, of the epistemic politics available outside of the art world or developed in a certain vicinity to the contemporary art worlds, but not within it as such. I'm thinking of uh, feminist epistemologies, standpoint epistemologies, queer epistemologies, uh, black epistemologies, indigenous epistemologies and other ways of kind of confronting and relativizing the dominance and hegemony of uh, Western knowledge systems. And uh, there is, there's, I think, great acceptance or willingness within uh, contemporary arts to take on these kind of critical epistemologies from outside of the art world. But as much as the interest, or as great as the interest might be, coming from artists, coming from curators, coming from institutions, there is also great need to be more careful and more scrupulous when it comes to applying these critical epistemologies to uh, art itself. But in the process, I think, of applying critical epistemologies onto or grafting them onto contemporary art practices, the, and, and the ideas we have of uh, artistic practice are already changing and are already becoming something else, which we have to consider in order to become more succinct when it comes to define what a knowledge politics with regard to art uh, may be. Well, you certainly make a compelling argument for this kind of engagement and where I think the book reads as an optimistic manifesto within what is a very complex field are those moments where you propose just exactly how art could engage with those external epistemic methods and politics. Well, you close the book with one such example of how the idea of a knowledge commons could look like when deployed within contemporary art. Yes, I think art needs to be in close contact with all those movements and tendencies that are working towards a more just, more equal, more democratic system of knowledge uh, in general. This may be sounding a bit too easy in terms of how art is then becoming uh, the handmaid of a certain politics that is then losing all of its specifics in terms of formal and aesthetic qualities, for example, but I'd still would say art should or could, or, no, art should, I'd say, uh, be part of a struggle for more democratic distribution of accesses to knowledge and education. The commons have been a subject or a theme, a concern within contemporary art worlds uh, for quite some time now. This is, of course, not necessarily uh, a central concern for the art world at large, but for many alternative self-organized uh, spaces of art and art education, the commons have been a kind of constant conceptual challenge in the past 10 or 20 years or so, parallel to a rediscovery of the commons in economic sciences and political science and anarchist studies, etc. And therefore, the commons seem to be also a platform or a template to speak of knowledge to be commonized or waiting to be commonized in to a much larger extent than it has happened already. Knowledge commons, of course, is something 
that is being pursued very successfully and very engagedly by popular knowledge movements such as the people knowledge movement in, in India, where knowledge is being conceived in, in terms that are different from the industrialized and corporatized ways of, of knowledge that have monopolized uh, also the language and the meaning of and the semantics of knowledge to, to a large extent. And this struggle is something that art, that many artists seem to sympathize with. And I do myself as well. And I think art can, once it has become aware of its uh, of its own role and own power also in terms of changing knowledge environments and knowledge conditions, can become a strong political partner in these struggles for epistemic justice. Uh, one of the central targets, of course, is the notion of property and intellectual property and knowledge being a commodity that can be traded easily. And And once art is acknowledging its own commodity status and is ready to ready to fight it or ready to change it, there's also a way to decommodify knowledge and by building bridges between different strands of decommodifying processes. In particular, I'm referring here to the cultural critic and theorist uh, Lee Claire Laberge, who had uh, written a great book on decommodification in the arts, wages against uh, artworks, where she's proposing uh, to, to move art away from the existing dominance structures of economy into, into alternative economic environments of bartering, of uh, commonizing, etc. Once these moves are, are becoming less an exception and more of a rule, so to speak, particularly in times of global crises around climate and the epidemic, there's a certain chance also to, to reorganize uh, the particular relationship art had developed towards knowledge in the past 20 or 30 years or so. One of the aims of such a development could be or should be a stronger presence of something that could be called knowledge commons and uh, in particular the way in which art provides some of the tools, some of the, the instruments to gain a better understanding and to gain a sight of what it could mean to share knowledge in ways that are not following the logics and the, and the imperatives of the share economy, for example. Well, thank you, Tom, for taking us on to this rich and rewarding and indeed optimistic journey. And I wonder just as a way to close our conversation, if you could tell us about your future plans. Are you, are you planning to stick with the ideas of knowledge and art in your future work? Yes, I will. I will definitely not lose sight of these questions. However, in the moment, I'm, I'm more deeply immersed in, in an exhibition and research project that was to open in September this year, but had to be postponed at the Haus der Kultur der Welt in Berlin, uh, a project on the spatial politics of learning and education in the 1960s and 1970s. This is called Education Shock. This is not too far away actually from my interests in art as a as a mode of knowledge production as it actually emerged out of uh, the research i did into art and education and epistemology as i at some point registered that the pile of materials pertaining to the spatial dimension of 
knowledge became higher and higher and I had to do something with it. And this uh, current project at HKW, which we are hopefully a be able to open in mid-February 21, is a second step in the larger research project that started with the exhibition and um, research project learning laboratories at the basis for Aktuelle Kunst in Utrecht uh, in 2016-17. There's a lot uh, going on with regards to my interests in art and knowledge politics and I, I, I hope I will find ways to think more deeply about the changing conditions uh, of knowledge and epistemology due to the current pandemic. Uh, because there, of course, the questions about expert knowledge, scientific knowledge, or what's also already had been called catastrophic epistemology, and the deep crisis of truth, of which someone like the historian Gilles Lepore is speaking, of course, have their effects already and will have in the future on the way art is being conceived and in terms of uh, knowledge and knowledge production and knowledge politics. Well, it's certainly a time of both potential and anxiety for all of us. Thank you once again, Tom, and congratulations on the book. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the New Books Network podcast. I'm Pierre Dallancer, and Tom Hollard's Knowledge Beside Itself, Contemporary Arts Epistemic Politics, is out and out, published by Stenberg Press. Join us again next time.